ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Fresh Frozen Southerner podcast. My name is Jay. I hope all is well. All right, guys, I would like to talk about racism today. Uh, Now, that should be a very serious, sort of a bummer topic. But fortunately, in this day and age, the stuff that gets reported as racism is actually good for a laugh most of the time. A lot of times I read these headlines and I've got to check and make sure I'm not reading something from The Onion because it sounds so ridiculous that I just can't imagine that somebody is seriously trying to convince anyone of what they're putting down on paper or on the computer at that point. There are a couple of reasons that we've gotten to this point. Number one, actual racist attacks just don't happen very often anymore. I know that that's not what the mainstream media tells you. But the fact that we have people staging fake racial attacks should tell you all you need to know. Because if that stuff was going on all the time, you wouldn't have to have people making this stuff up. Now, I understand in almost every instance, it's individuals that are trying to get a little bit of notoriety for themselves. But still, if we lived in this horribly racist society, these people wouldn't have to stage an attack. They could just go out and walk around the street and... By the end of the week, they would have something that they could put on Instagram, but they're out there faking it. So make of that what you will. I can, well, I just told you the conclusion I drew from it, and it's that there's very little of it actually out there. But another big reason is that racism has become a business in this country in the last 50 years. And just like any other business, the business of racism needs a product to sell, and That business is facing a vast shortage of actual racism to report on. Now, before I get into this, I want you to understand that I do understand there are racist people in this country. There are plenty of white people that absolutely hate black people. There are plenty of black people that hate white people. There are plenty of Latinos that hate black people. And there are plenty of Asians who hate Latinos and black people. Somewhere in this country, you can find a person that absolutely hates left-handed Eskimos. Not all Eskimos, just specifically the Southpaws. There is somebody out of 330 million people that, in their heart of hearts, absolutely feels that way. You can find an example of anything. It's not predominant. Most people don't give race a second thought through their daily lives except for when they're listening to the news or reading anything on the internet. And that's actually good news. That that says good things about our society. We are advancing. We're getting better with each passing generation. You would think that the people that have made their living off battling racism would just call it a victory and close up shop. That is not how the human animal operates. And so what you see is in all these stories and on the news articles and the investigative reports, just increasingly desperate grabs at anything that they can conflate into racism. That's what led to the prosecution of the Duke lacrosse team. On the surface, that looked like a pretty open and shut case for this was, you know, these rich white college guys. They saw an opportunity to take advantage of this young black woman who probably didn't have a lot of money and wasn't going to be able to pony up any cash for a good lawyer and probably wouldn't prosecute even if she could. And for a while, it looked like these young men's lives were ruined. They probably are ruined because that's going to follow them. Now, if they moved in next door, I don't remember any of their names. I wouldn't know. But a lot of the, I mean, that's going to come up throughout their life. And 
the prosecutor was going pedal to the metal, despite the fact that he had evidence that one of the men that that young woman was swearing up and down was in that bathroom at the party raping her. At the time she said that was going on, this young man had proof that he was not in the bathroom. He had left that residence. He was over 10 miles away at the time that she said that this was happening. So the prosecutor knew that she was not telling the complete truth. Instead of you know tapping the brakes and saying, wait a second, let's see what really happened before we go for it. No, he, he actually, there is a quote of him to one of his aides saying, I don't care, we're going ahead. Now, in this guy's defense, he was running for re-election or maybe a different office, and I'm probably giving him more credit than he deserves, but I really don't think that it was as malicious as I want to nail these guys to the wall so I can crow about it when I go out on the campaign trail. No, I think his thinking was more along the lines of, if I drop this case when I start campaigning, my opponent is going to say that I let off these white rapists scot-free because it was a black woman that was lodging the complaints. I think that he was doing, in his mind, damage control for his election run, more so than he wanted a trophy to hang on the wall that he could point to during campaign stops. But that right there should tell you how unracist the country is when the consideration is not, I don't want to prosecute these white guys over a black girl. It was, I have to prosecute these white guys because I don't want the public to think I let them off easy because the victim was black. That's the opposite of racism. In fact, that's going a little bit too far in the other direction. The prosecutor is supposed to look at the merits of the case and decide from those what he wants to do, not the color of the skin of the people involved. And here just recently, we had the attack on the spa in Atlanta. Uh, Now, that young man did not have an issue with Asians. He had an issue with sex addiction, at least according to him, he was a sex addict. In his unstable mind, he went and shot up the spa, not because there was Asian women's running it, but because apparently he felt that that place was triggering his sickness, and he thought that that would be a good way to get rid of it. It had nothing to do with the fact that there were Asians running that spa. It was a spa that happened to have Asians there. Of course, that is not how the news media covered it. The news media was like, this guy was just just out looking for for Asian victims, and that was a convenient place to go. That's not at all what it was. You're taking the story and you're turning it into something it's not because you need to push this narrative. And just like the prosecutor of the Duke lacrosse team who was supposed to look at the merits of the case, a reporter is supposed to report the facts of a story. But that isn't what they're doing, and they haven't done it for a very long time. And you're really getting into some very bizarre and unintentionally comical situations where these people just, they're having to do so many mental gymnastics to reach a conclusion of racism that they're just really picking very odd things out of the ether to claim as racist and we shouldn't say it. Of course, it's, you know, it's other people that are saying it. It's never these very evolved reporters. You know, they're not talking about them. They're talking about the rest of us, the little people. So where we find ourselves today is people that are educated, presumably intelligent, who are trying to convince us that they have uncovered that things like peanut gallery is racist. Now, we still hear that term quite often. I'm 
I feel like most people today don't know what the peanut gallery is, but we understand from the context, you know, I, I don't need any comments from the peanut gallery. It just means, you know, I don't need to hear anything from those people over there. Just leave me alone. But, you know, people of my parents' generation, they're going to remember the peanut gallery. That's what the audience on the Howdy Doody show was called. The little kids that would go to the tapings or the broadcasts of the Howdy Doody show, they called that the peanut gallery. Now, they did not originate that term. It's actually from the vaudeville era. The peanut gallery was the cheapest seats in the house up in the balcony. And the reason it was called the peanut gallery is... Just like movie theaters today, vaudeville theaters sold concessions. They sold snacks. The cheapest thing they sold was peanuts. So you had poor people coming in to see a vaudeville show. They would buy the cheapest seats and they would buy the cheapest snack there, which was peanuts. So the balcony where the poor people would sit became known as the peanut gallery. Now, obviously, at the turn of the century during the vaudeville days, a lot of the poor people going to these would have been black Americans. But that does not mean peanut gallery has a racial connotation. Just because black people are associated with a phenomenon does not mean that the phenomenon has a racial origin. It just means that black people participated in this, and it was not just black people. It would have been poor white Europeans in the peanut gallery. It would have been people from all walks of life, because everybody has poor people in whatever racial demographic you're into. And if you're thinking that singling out black people to try to make the term peanut gallery racist is a little bit of a stretch, that's because it is. It's a stretch. It doesn't make any sense. Peanut gallery has nothing to do with the with the color of a person's skin. And you'll see the same thing with fried chicken. Now, I can understand how fried chicken became associated with black people. Chickens are very cheap to raise. They're very cheap to eat. So, of course, chicken was poor people food through the first half of the 20th century. You know, as long as you've got some boards and you can put up a chicken coop, it's pretty easy to raise chickens. As long as you've got somewhere they can get at night so the coyotes and the weasels don't get them, it's pretty easy to raise chickens. So poor people ate chickens. And yes, a lot of black people were poor back then, so they were eating a lot of chicken. And then they started having, or I'm sorry, they started opening restaurants where they would sell their fried chicken to traveling salesmen and people out on the roads. I can understand how fried chicken became associated with black culture. But ask yourself this, do you know anybody that doesn't love fried chicken? Fried chicken is awesome. The only people I know that does not eat fried chicken have something that they don't like to eat meat off of a bone. My son is like that. If I take a chicken breast and I bread it and fry it, he will attack it like a starving coyote. If I set a chicken leg in front of him, he won't touch it because he doesn't like to eat off the bone. I think that's crazy, and it makes me question whether he's actually my child. But that's his reason. It's not that he does not like the taste of fried chicken. He doesn't like eating it off the bone. So again, in the turn of the century, a lot of the more established restaurants, they didn't want to serve fried chicken because that was considered poor food. But that was a staple of these black-owned roadside food stands. So I can... I can understand why fried chicken became part of the black culture, but let's face it, that is the perfect way to prepare a chicken. I'm not saying a, a nice grilled chicken breast or a rotisserie chicken, they're not delicious, but when you fry a chicken, it takes it to another level. And while we're on the subject of fried chicken, do any of you think anything even resembling racism when you hear the word picnic? 
Of course not. You think of young lovers in a springtime field or the 4th of July or going hiking with your family. Nobody thinks of racism because that is an insane thing to think about. Unless you went to Ferris State University, apparently, because Ferris State University published a paper claiming that the origins of the picnic came from public lynchings. Now, of all the absolute mind-numbing insanity of the list of things I'm going to give you. This is the only one that there was any pushback on. Fair State University actually came out and did a little bit of a correction on this one and said that, no, the word picnic does not have any racial overtones to it, because apparently this one was far out enough, or maybe it was before the true insanity set in, that people pushed back on it, said, you know, no, you're making that up. That's a complete lie, and why are you saying it? But they did, in fact, say that they were wrong. Well, they probably didn't say they were wrong because nobody admits they're wrong anymore. But they did back off that statement. So feel free to go on a picnic with your family. You're not committing a hate crime. Uh, Just in case you needed me to explain that you're more than welcome to go have a lunch out of doors without hurting any other minorities, feel free to go on a picnic. We've still got some nice weather. If you're planning on doing that, you don't have to change your plans. Math is racist now as well. This one should be surprising to everyone because math has nothing to do with race or even people, really. Math is just quantifying reality. It's just numbers. How can you say that math is racist? Well, Kathy O'Neill wrote an entire book called Weapons of Math Destruction to explain to us all how horribly, horribly racist math is. Now, her arguments were based on Insurance company algorithms forced poor neighborhoods to pay more for insurance. Bank algorithms cause poor neighborhoods to pay more percentage rates on loans, things of that nature. I'm not sure how Miss O'Neill thinks that the math is causing the behavior. The math is just the statistical data from the behavior. It's not causing the behavior, and it's certainly not designed to punish anyone It is simply a reflection of what's happening. And unfortunately, poor people generally have lower credit scores and they pay more for an interest rate if and when they get a loan. Poor people tend to be unhealthy. They tend to die earlier. That's a statistical fact. It's not driven by somebody's skin color. Again, it's just the data of the results. It does not cause the result. It is simply a reflection of the result. The same sort of backward-looking logic is used to make the next item on our list racist. Uh, It's milk. And, of course, you would assume that they're saying that simply because milk is white. Uh, We haven't got to the point where they're saying just the existence of colors is racist at this point. I'm sure that's coming. Uh, I'll do another list of these in about a year, and I'm sure it'll be on there. But no, there was an article, and forgive me, I don't remember who wrote it, uh, but they were claiming that white supremacists were using the fact that a lot of minorities are lactose intolerant as proof that the white gene is somehow superior. And I swear, I have heard the term white supremacist more in the last three years than I have in the previous 43. I don't know why they're suddenly pushing this white supremacy crap on us. Do you know any people that are white supremacists? Do you know anybody that's in the Klan or the Aryan Brotherhood? I saw a statistic, and I couldn't find it. I tried to tried to look this up. I'm wanting to say, and I could be remembering this number wrong, but I'm wanting to say that they 
did a poll. It was like 10 years ago of actual like card carrying Ku Klux Klan members in this country. It's down to below 6,000. And everybody says, well, you know, that's 6,000 people. That's a lot of people. When your sample size is 330 million, 6,000 is a rounding error. That's something like 0.0002 of the population, something like that. I mean, you're talking, you're down to the tens of a thousandth of a percent. But everything is getting, you know, the white supremacists are saying this. The white supremacists are doing this. Like the OK symbol. That's not a white supremacist symbol. It never was. The meme on the internet was specifically meant to show the ridiculous stuff that people will believe is racist. And by golly, they proved it because everybody ran with that story. Oh, it's a WNP. It's white power. If white supremacists are using hand signals, they're not going to pick something that is just a common everyday. You'll see people doing it because they're not going to know, wait, are you in the Klan? Are you signaling me or are you just saying that your burger was really good? I'm confused. I don't know. That's not a good secret signal. Nobody uses something like that. It was a joke to begin with that the people who do this stuff did not get and inadvertently became the butt of a joke. And then the whole world became the butt of the joke because most people fell for it. But the reason that the quote unquote white supremacists, the this shadowy organization that apparently is controlling all of popular culture now, says that milk is proof that the white gene is superior is because while a lot of white Europeans do develop lactose intolerance. A lot of minorities, uh, Asians, Latinos, Blacks, something like 80% of those cultures are lactose intolerant as adults. It doesn't really have anything to do with whether your genes are stronger or weaker. It's simply the fact that people that come from warmer climes did not depend on milk as a food source in ancient times. You know, the, the one exception seems to be the Middle East, where they, they have a lot of goat cheese, they drink a lot of goat's milk. That's also a lot of desert. It's hard to grow crops there. Most of the warm climes, Africa, South America, Asia, you know, very warm climates, they have very long growing seasons. They did not need these large herd animals to provide them with milk through the cold winter, or in the case of the Middle Easterners, through the dry seasons. And so when your culture does not drink a lot of dairy products or eat cheese or anything like that, you're going to lose the ability to process that just over time. Your body doesn't need to be able to handle that type of food, so it stops having the ability to. But the bottom line is, is that they're, again, just like the OK symbol, white supremacists are not saying that. Whoever wrote that article just completely made that up. If you've never heard of an instance of something happening it's not widespread like this stuff that they want to teach and they want to tell you that it's just all over the place. And as you're listening to this list, you're probably thinking, oh, God, they're, they're going to say that air is racist next. Well, uh, it's very astute of you to bring that up because guess what? Air is racist. And it's almost exactly the same arguments that uh, Kathy O'Neill made in her Weapons of Math Destruction. Uh, you know, minorities tend to live in lower income areas and cities. Those neighborhoods are generally lower income because they're clustered around the industrialized centers in these cities. When you have factories and you have the extra pollution and the worst and the poor air quality. But again, it's not viewed as simply a consequence of your economic status forcing you to live where you can afford to live. 
whoever's saying all this stuff somehow believes that this cabal of Illuminati white guys somehow figured out a way to herd all these contaminated air molecules toward the minority groups. They did not explain how they think that is happening. But you know, once again, this is, you know, you're, you're looking at the end result and applying a cause to it instead of looking at the cause and seeing that there is a explainable reason why you're getting the result you're getting. And the reality is that there is a reason that the apartment two blocks away from the paper mill is much, much cheaper than a house in the suburbs. And it's because you're going to have to deal with the smell of that paper mill every day of your life. That's why that apartment is cheap. And if that's all you can afford, you're better off taking the apartment next to the paper mill than you are sleeping out on the street in the wintertime. It's not systemic racism that's causing that to happen. It's economic reality. There are a lot of ways to attack that problem. Blaming it on racism and saying it's systemic in our society, all that means is you don't have to come up with a solution because there is no solution to a made-up problem. Well, I say that, but oddly enough, there is a solution to all this racism, and it's coming from the very people that are finding all these weird things to call racism in the first place. You see, on September the 8th, Larry Elder, I've mentioned him before, he is a conservative talk show host. He's running for the governor of California in the recall election against Gavin Newsom, and he is a black man. Uh, on September the 8th, he was touring a homeless encampment in the city of L.A., and he was attacked, a woman, well, I say attacked, it wasn't like a violent attack, but a woman came up and threw eggs at him while he was walking down the street. Normally, you would say, well, that's just some nut job protester. Uh, a little different than that, this woman was wearing a gorilla mask, and she was throwing eggs at a black man. Now, ordinarily, that would be chalked up immediately to a hate crime. The media would go into a frenzy. Twitter would blow up, Facebook would blow up, all your self-righteous friends would be on there trying to explain to you why this is such a horrible thing, and and it would just be going on and on and on. You think that this is, you know, clearly, I mean, this is right in the mainstream media's wheelhouse. They're going to jump on this with both feet, and this is all we're going to hear about for four weeks. Uh, but would you like to hear the mainstream media's response to the Larry Elder story of him being attacked by a woman in a gorilla mask? Here's what CNN had to say. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. They, they have treated this like it did not happen. And the reason that they're treating it like it did not happen is because Larry Elder is a registered Republican. And he is running against a registered Democrat. The LA Times, CNN, all of the race baiters that you're always seeing on TV talking about hate crimes when they're just you know, spinning this stuff out of whole cloth, they're completely silent on this story because the recall election, actually I think it started today, as a matter of fact, I could be wrong about that, but I think the recall election is going on right now. They did not want to cover this story because that would make Larry Elder a more sympathetic candidate and it would have helped him in the election. So they ignored it. You got to ask yourself, do they care about racism? Because this seems like a pretty clear cut. Now, I'm, personally, I don't think that this woman was in the Klan. I think maybe she's just a nut job. And she thought that this would be a good way to protest. And she went a little too far. Again, I, I don't consider throwing an egg at somebody a violent act. It's an insulting act, but you're not, you're doing something that 
times out of 100 is not going to cause any physical harm. And that one time it does is just because you're going to, you know, every once in a while you're going to hit somebody in the eye and that's not going to feel good. But I don't consider that a violent attack. So I think this woman was just a nut job. Uh, the gorilla mask seems like a very strange choice given the circumstances, but I don't know why she picked it. You know, maybe that's the only mask she had. Maybe it was aimed at Larry Elder. But if the media would not run with this, they would bury this story just to keep one of their cronies in office. Do they care about racism or do they care about staying in power? The good news is there is a growing number of black Americans and you're starting to see a lot of athletes and celebrities are starting to speak out about how the Democratic Party has treated black Americans for the last 50 years. Black America is starting to wake up to the way the left is treating them. It's not what I would call a groundswell at this point, but we're trending in the right direction. And this is it, ladies and gentlemen. This is how we will get rid of racism in this country delivered to us, of all places, the mainstream media. And it's simply this. As more black Americans move away from the Democratic Party and become Republicans, racism is going to die on the vine. Because what Larry Elder showed us on September the 8th is it's not a hate crime if you're attacking a Republican. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is about all I've got for you today. I hope you enjoyed the show. I had a lot of fun bringing it to you. Uh, This stuff should be infuriating and worrying, but I swear I get a chuckle out of it every time I read one of these articles. Uh, But if you enjoyed the show, please leave me a like, a subscribe, and a comment. You can comment at freshfrozensoutherner at gmail.com or at the Facebook page. All right, guys, I hope you're having a good start to your week. I will talk to you again on Friday. And as always, I thank you for sitting with me. Have a good night, guys, and we will talk soon.